things you say just might be true It could be time to start anew And maybe change my point of view Nah I say let it die <laughs> Let it die Let it die Let it shrivel up and die Who's with, Who's with me? All right, why are we playing that, sweetheart? That guy. Why are we that guy. playing that song? O'Hare. Who's from, O'Hare? He's from the Lorax. Like the airport? Yeah, well, no. Um, he is from the Lorax, and he's the... Uh, the villain? I guess you'd call him the villain, yes. And he is already selling... He's started to sell air. Because, you know, why <laughs> that's, not? That's probably where we're going. Well, that's... I, Actually, I, we're not We're going. not. We're yeah. not let's going just, there. Let's just back up right now, if you know what I'm talking about. But at that point in the Lorax, he starts to reconsider that maybe we should plant some trees so we can have our own air and not have to pay for it. But then he says, nah. I say, <laughs> I say let, let it die, <laughs> let it die, let it shrivel up and die. Wow, the, that sounded pretty good. The first, Not really. Or it kind of did. Yes, Okay. The first time we watched that movie, my middle daughter thought that was the funniest, funniest part ever. And we played it ever since. <laughs> so what's Zen Parenting Radio? This is podcast number 327. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. Outstanding. Who doesn't want to? Uh, always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. The working title, maybe not the ending title, but the working title is going to be Grow, parentheses, with the familiarity of our own interiors. How about that? Welcome to being married to <laughs> Kathy Adams. <laughs> well. It's going to take a while for us to dig deep. We're going deep, deep undercover. We're going deep. Well, we're going to actually talk about a lot of things, and I think that that we can go deep with every single one of them, but I usually don't, we usually don't want to use language that will be talking above or trying to be difficult. Right. I would rather be using language that we use every day so we can access it at all times. So wouldn't is, you? Is right. So that's why we're we're it's a working title and not an ending <laughs> title. Well, I just love that concept, grow with the familiarity of your own interiors, because that's that's it, right? And a lot of people are saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. So that's why we're gonna talk about on this podcast. And maybe we'll just call call this podcast Grow and non-duality how about that um second working title grow and non-duality i'm writing it down right now so i don't forget all right so um a few things that we would like to promote selfishly and selflessly yes um we have a screenagers screening coming up on september 26th at york theater we have a screening of a screenagers screening yeah it's a lot of screen technology and it's all about how to navigate this new world that we reside in regarding iPhones and iPads uh, as adults and for our children. So what's the age range? So the recommendation is 10 and up. And our recommendation is, of course, we want you to come, you adults who are listening. But the intention is to create a conversation around our digital age and to create a conversation around uh, technology and its uses and how it can be helpful and also harmful. So instead of you watching and going home and lecturing to your child, bring, bring them, them so they can see it for themselves because then you can have a conversation versus a throwing information at them. As a lecture. Exactly. So Kids love lectures. They just love them. Um, don't you just see your children's face change? When How about when I wanted to tell the girls what truce meant and they were so tired of me talking yes that they were like 
we don't want to know what truce means. Yeah, because there was a, a little bit of an impasse between two kids that were having a debate. <laughs> And you wanted to explain what truce meant. And one in particular was not very kind in the way she said it. I know. And I said, oh, my goodness. Yeah. But I also caught on to the fact that it was not a good time to lecture. So I there was a little bit of recognition on both sides that they were tired and didn't want that information. See, uh, we're going to finish our opening promo stuff. But then I want to talk about a really quick story. And it's about how we react as parents to when our parents, to when our kids throw us curveballs, and I have an example of that. Okay, but let's jump back into the second most important thing, which is the conference. The conference, which is on February. Wait, you know what? I didn't finish the screenagers thing. Oh, sorry. I gotta, I gotta backtrack. Be, don't play it. Don't. It hurts my ears. Just... Not bad. That wasn't bad. I feel like you turned the volume down or something. Just for you. Okay, so Screenagers is Monday, September 26th. It's at 7 p.m. It's at York Theater here in Elmhurst. Go to zenparentingradio.com to get your tickets. And tickets have gone much faster than any other screening. We've already sold 100 tickets, and I think we have room for another 100. So. Yeah. Uh, get in now. I think actually we're over that amount right now. Oh, good. And, but it's a month away, and we usually sell most of our tickets in the last two weeks. So Todd's point is well taken that we know that this is has caught on a little earlier than most. Yeah. So the next one, Zen Parenting Conference, let's get real. This year we have Rob Bell, we have Rosalind Wiseman, and we have Ali Smith, and then Todd and I are talking, and we may be adding more. Yeah. I, I We really haven't said that, but it's six months away. Yeah. So Todd and I are still working on it, but the, I think just that the outline is, is set in place uh, yeah that's and it's plenty of room to fill some things in but the the gist of it is there and it's pretty extraordinary as it is and where do you go to find out more about the conference uh you can go to zenparentingradio.com you can go to zengetsreal.com but either place you can find tickets and um read more about our amazing speakers and there's an early bird special that expires at the end of this month yeah get if you're coming Get your tickets now. There's no reason or to wait. Or spend more money later. You know what? Just spend more money later. Yes. You know what? Actually, get your tickets next month. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Get yeah. them now. It's a much better deal. And there's a deal if you're coming with a friend or your partner. It's a really good deal for two people. Um, and then one more thing, the pre-conference workshop that I'm doing, self-awareness and feminine power, and also becoming a Zen friend, which means that you um, contribute or donate to our scholarship fund and the conference overall and get your name on the podcast and get your name in the program. Yes, very good. And we appreciate all these Zen friends that are out there. Yes. Um, all right. Should we jump in? Sure. We just listened to a podcast by our good friend Rob Bell uh -huh. earlier today, and it churned up some ideas. Oh, I want to tell you my quick thing. Oh, sure. So, uh, where is it? I had, um, so our kids drive us crazy sometimes. We love them, but they drive us crazy. Are we you speaking us or are you saying just overall Both. kids? Okay. Yeah. Don't your kids drive you crazy sometimes? There are times. I think everybody. Yes. And, um, you know, how you, you just talked about when uh, one of our kids said, no, mom, we don't want to hear about a truce. And she kind of did it an unkind thing. And mm -hmm. you could have gotten very serious and put on your, you know, old school mom hat mm -hmm. and you were kind of jokingly went through it. Mm -hmm. And I think that humor is more important to me now as a parent than it ever has been. Cause I think if you can laugh at yourself and use humor or levity to dissipate, to dissipate the intensity, we're at Culver's. <laughs> I know. And we, it, it could have turned pretty ugly there fast and you did. So this, this is my other example. You were having a wonderful evening. We were watching TV or doing something very non-productive, which we love doing from time to time. Okay. I have no idea where you're going. I don't know what this story is. We're on the couch. Okay. 
one of our kids throws our bunny rabbit on your lap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what did the bunny rabbit choose to do next? Well, she peed all over me. She peed all over mm-hmm. you. I don't know. I feel like that's grounds for <laughs> flying off the handle. And, you know, Kathy and I have not yet talked about this. No. I was a witness. I was an observer to this experience. I was on the other chair in the room. Mm-hmm. And I was too lazy to even deal with it. I'm just like, whatever. Whatever. Kathy's getting peed on. But you never got, um, I mean, you weren't happy about it, but you never flew off the handle. You never raised your voice. You were very kind and gentle yet firm with the kid who did this. And you're looking at me like, of course. Uh-huh. And that's not normal. When bunnies pee on moms, <laughs> that's when things go south. And you didn't do it. And you rarely ever fly off the handle. And it's because you do what we talk about on this podcast, which is take care of yourself, make sure you have enough gas in your tank. So when bunny rabbits pee on us. When my daughter throws rabbits on my lap and yeah, they pee. That we can deal with it in a kind and gentle and compassionate place. And I just want to acknowledge that we both do our best to walk the sure. walk, but you did it that night and you do it all the time. And I just feel like that's another example, parents, how, you know, you can you can look at, you can do this two different ways. You can go crazy and yell, which we've both done, sure, which we've sure, all done. Of course. But if that's a pattern, mm-hmm. you need to look at it. Mm-hmm. We need to look at mm-hmm. it when it happens to us. So I just wanted to say oh, that thanks. out loud. That's nice. Yeah. So the thing is, is about our rabbit is that she's uh, kind of like a cat and she just walks around the house and she, if she has been out all day, she sits in a corner and looks out the window and pretends she's an outdoor rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if she's been in that corner for hours and I'm, when I say hours, I mean it, she'll sit there for four hours. That bunny rabbit knows mindfulness like there's no other because that rabbit bunny. will just sit there and stare out the window yes. from nine in the morning till three at night, three Correct. in the afternoon. Correct. It's amazing. I know. And she seems quite content. And she's probably laughing at us. Like, what are these larger species doing, going in and out and doing this and doing that? They think they're getting something done. Yeah. Why don't they just chill? Why don't they look out the window with me? Why don't they? Why are they not looking out the window? (laughs) Why aren't they seeing that? Look at that. Look, a nut just fell from that tree. And maybe in three hours, another Another nut will fall from the tree. Honestly, I think that's exactly... I'm amazed by that. If she had consciousness like we did, that is exactly what she'd be thinking. But if she sits out there and she... Because she's litter box trained, she needs to get back to her litter box to go pee. If you pick her up and put her anywhere that she doesn't want to be, she's just going to pee. Well, that's what happens to me. If anybody picks me up and... (laughs) puts me somewhere where I don't want to be, I'm urinating all over wherever I am. <laughs> that's nice. Um, that's a good picture. So, so don't pick me so up. So don't pick Tata. And put me on the couch. And put him anywhere. You said anywhere. Um, Unless it's on the toilet. It, yes, then, then it's, it's okay. And if anyone's doing that. <laughs> then that's weird. We're just getting weird now. Okay. Okay. Bye, bye, bye. So anyway, she picked her up to put her in the cage and then had kind of like a brain forgetfulness because this is my child who knows more about that rabbit than I do and just said, here, and gave her to me. And it was, I was a little, I think, more upset about the couch than I was about my clothes. I would have been more upset about my clothes and and bunny pee being on me. Well, there was a little mixture, but I appreciate it. She, this is the other thing. I think if we 
after we have our first reaction, which is annoyance, it doesn't matter. It could be this situation or any other. When we have the reaction of annoyance and that look of disappointment, I think if we were to be able to kind of shake it off for a second, look at our children, we know that they already know they made a mistake. And if we could then take a deep breath and take it down, then we can actually have a conversation with them about why maybe that won't be a good choice in the future to do again. But if we decide to just ream them and did, did you use that word? No, I didn't use the word ream. Isn't that a great word? Ream them? I think I used to say that in like middle school. Is that like to verbally assault? Yeah. Like just ream somebody. Yeah. If you just decide to do that and you're not conscious of the fact that they had already picked up on the fact that it probably wasn't a good choice, then you're like, you're, that's when you start to dig into the relationship where they start to feel like they not only have disappointed you, but that there's something wrong with them and there's no communication about it. And the worst case scenario is you ream them. You don't look at them. You kind of hold the grudge. You play the passive aggressive thing and then you pretend later it never happened. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's Yikes. the worst. That is the, that is the, the hit after hit after hit. Yeah. Um, piles up. Piles up. So anyway, thank you. Um, first partner is Dr. Kelly from the tree of life chiropractic care. You want to know that, uh, uh, chiropractors also help with ADHD, allergies, asthma, car accidents, back pain, bedwetting, carpal tunnel, colic, ear infections, headaches, and neck pain. Bedwetting. She could help you because you were just saying you urinate all If the somebody place. picked me up and put me somewhere, <laughs> Dr. Kelly and I will address that next time I get an adjustment. Um, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, Chiro-tree.com, 630-941-8733. Thank you, Dr. Kelly. Check her out if you live in the Chicagoland area. Grow. With the familiar familiarity, first of all, that's a hard word. Isn't to say. that hard? That's why I like it. Familiarity, familiarity of our own interiors. What does that mean? Okay, so I have to say that that is not my quote. Whose is it? it this is Rob Bell's quote, and RB. he said he didn't say exactly this, but these were the words that I pulled out of it, and I guess I made it a sentence mm-hmm. from these words. So I guess it is my quote, but I got it from it originated with some of his words. Yes. We were talking. I can't. I don't even know what the show was called. We only got fifteen minutes into it. What was it? Uh, was wisdom sh- part two. Wisdom. So, few things. I'm like going to jump all around. There is something that I realize I say on this show all the time, and I've gotten a few emails from people about. Okay, that's nice word, Kathy, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And they're actually two words. I always say universal principles. Mm-hmm. Do you ever listen to the show and hear how often I say that? Uh, universal principles is something that is in your vocabulary, whether we're on mic or not. Right. We j- I just say it all the time. Yeah. And so let me explain. First of all, I'm not trying to be annoying by using that. It's just one of those phrases or those two words are all encompassing to explain something I'm trying to explain. And basically what universal principles means is um, understanding or spiritual awareness or I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to call it ideology. It's just basic understanding that all religions, all cultures, all um, wherever you are around the world, they it's all agreed upon. Mm-hmm. Things like do unto others as you would have done to you or as um, uh, Roman Krisnarik who wrote Empathy would say to us, um, do unto others as they would have done to them. Right. You know, like it, basically it's the golden rule. It is, um, you know, karma. It's it's these things that no matter where you come from, where you live or what religion you come from, it is a practice. Love wins. Love wins. Yeah. Yeah, kindness. Yeah. And so universal principles, is it. it's sometimes those really basic things like love and kindness. And sometimes it's 
spiritual awareness and even incorporating physics and science and that these are just things that people know and understand. For example, we are energy. Yeah. We can't dispute this. This is a universal principle. Right. We've talked about that. We are not solid human beings. We are little atoms that are crashing against one another that appear to be solid, but we're not at all. At all. Yeah. And that table that we're knocking on, not solid. Science has proven that as fact. Correct. So what I'm searching for, so I don't annoy myself when I talk on this show, is how else do I explain universal principles? And uh, something that um, I'll, I'll use Rob Bell's language again, something he says often is uh, wisdom tradition. Mm-hmm. So wisdom tradition means like the 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 wise people from our history, the people, you know, the Socrates and the Aristotles and the Plato's and the Ralph Waldo Emerson's and the, you know, the Joseph Campbell's and all these people who have said the same thing over time. In different ways. In different ways. It's wisdom tradition. So I'm going to try and use that too. We'll, we'll give that, we'll give that for a six year run. We'll give that a whirl. U- you've been using universal <laughs> principles for the first five and a half years. So I don't know, wisdom tradition sounds fine. It, I, and I don't know if it'll come as naturally. It may but, not stick. But I do. I guess what's more important is I want people to understand that I'm not throwing out that word willy nilly. Like I'm trying to you to just say, oh, universal principles. I really do know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But I'm trying to sum it up Very in a, in a quick way. Rigby. Rigby. We won't explain that, but <laughs> we have to explain that. There's a show on HBO called Silicon Valley, uh-huh. and there's a scene where two of the guys um, are, are talking about the other. Talking guy. about the third guy. And Rigby stands for Richard is great, but you know, you know. So basically, they're talking about the third guy because they're annoyed at him, but they know he's a great guy, and they know that he's given them a lot of opportunity, but he's still bugging them. So they keep so saying. So this Richard- was basically like kind of a bitch session yeah. against Richard, but they kept on saying, "Oh, but Richard is great," and they wanted to compress their dialogue <laughs> because they're coders in as efficient as possible. So they just decided to create this acronym called Rigby, which is Richard is great, but you know, or something exactly. like that. Exactly. So they'd say Rigby and then they would say whatever they And then they would at. tear into him. So Todd and I use that now yes. whenever we're going to tear into people because yes. we do that so often. Right. Um, no, that's not true. We don't. But if ever I'm going to say something, but I want him to know that I understand where this person was coming from, mm-hmm. but I was still annoyed. Yeah. Rigby. Anyway. Okay. So grow with the familiarity of your own interiors. The reason why that sentence struck me or the put together sentence struck me is that's really all that each of us is meant to do. Um, I start, I just started my college class last week with my kids. And my first question to them is always, as is my first question to fifth graders, as is my first question to eighth graders or parents is, what is your greatest responsibility? And of course, my college students always say homework, you know, you know, my job, taking care of my family, all worthy things. Um, but what I always go back to is know your greatest responsibility is you mm. and not you, how you look in your clothes and all that and exterior stuff, but growing in the familiarity of your own interiors. Do you know what's going on inside of you and why? Do you understand your emotional um, experience? experience? Why you're having the feelings you're having, where they come from? Where did you learn the things you learn? Who taught you? Who told you that was true? Why do you believe that? And this is like a, it's like a shattering of this shell that we carry that we never question. Well, and this is the difference between you and I because you have a a consistent meditation practice. You like peace. You like contemplation. I'm the opposite. 
not that I resist it, but I just don't practice it as normally as you do. So because of that, you have these awarenesses inside of you. And usually I, when I say I, I'm talking about a lot of the people listening and myself, Mm -hmm. we're so busy Mm -hmm. trying to go on to the next thing. We don't even have these awarenesses about ourselves that you're talking about. Instead, we project it upon somebody else. Well, and yeah, and then that's the next phase is, is the reason we grow more familiar with what's going on inside of us, which is another way of our interior, you know, it's another way of saying our interiors. The reason we need to do that is because if we understand what's going on inside of us, then we can take responsibility for the way we're feeling. What we do instead is we have feelings. And then like you just said, we project it onto other people. We Thinking it's about somebody else. Thinking it's their fault. When it's our own baggage. When it's our own stuff. You know, there's like, you could be talking to a person and they could say 10 things. Maybe all of them are slightly offensive. Nine of them may not bother you, but one of them does. And the reason the one thing does is because you have a trigger inside of you. There is something about what they said or how they said that triggered something old in you or something you haven't dealt with in yourself or something that you've been unwilling to look at or something that reminds you of your mom Mm. or something that, you you know, there's a reason. And, And then that doesn't mean... This is where it gets confusing to people because that doesn't mean then you absorb it all and you never tell someone when they bother you. Like I'm very clear that the things that – the reason I get annoyed at you is usually 99% of the time based on my history. But it doesn't mean that I don't share it with you because my history is still part of me, which means that I'm taking responsibility for I feel this way. Um, and I know that where it's coming from and a lot of it's childhood, but at the same time, can you help me out here and maybe acknowledge that this is an issue for me? And so to not do well, these things. And guys, sometimes it doesn't come out that nicely. Sometimes it comes out as husband, you're inadequate or husband, you are not meeting my needs. So it takes, when we have these discussions, cause we have them every so often, Sometimes it takes a little bit of processing, both from my end and your end, mm-hmm. because you don't even know. I don't know how to get there yet. You don't right. know how to get there. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I just want to warn people that sometimes it's it's hard to hear, it's hard to listen to, and it's hard to process it because sometimes, because you're triggered, you don't have this understanding. You don't un- have access. Right. Until you get there. Right. And, and I realized that, you know, just in the last couple of days, it, it, there are things that on a daily basis, sometimes hour to hour, moment to moment, that can annoy us and trigger us. And if we aren't conscious, at least some of the time, of what's going on and what bothers us and why we're bothered by it, then our whole life is reactionary. Yeah. We are just constantly reacting to people or situations, and we are just projecting our inability to look at our interiors out into the world. Why don't we want to look at our own interiors? Because it's painful. Because it's sometimes scary. Because it we've been this is something that that's so important for us to understand is sometimes the things that we're most afraid of that's going on inside of us, the things we don't want to look at, the things we refuse to feel, if we get closer to them and start to really say, okay, I'm going to focus on this. What is this? What is it? When we get down to it, it was a lie to begin with. I need an example. Okay. Make make one up if you can. I can. I can. Uh, Feeling, uh, you know, the one that every human being feels. I'm not good enough. I'm not not adequate. I don't deserve this. Okay. 
we all, majority of the population walks around with that. And so there's almost a guilt about, we almost, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't deserve this. Therefore, I'm not going to get it. Therefore, why bother trying? Right. So if we're like, okay, what is that? Why do I feel so inadequate all the time? And we go inside and we look at it. We may go back and maybe we aren't even taken back to the exact time and place, but somehow over time, we were given a message that we weren't good enough. Maybe because when we were in the art show, we got third instead of first. And all of a sudden we realized there was a hierarchy and who was best. And then that was the first thing. And then we were in a class where a teacher totally ignored us, never called on us. And then it kind of it drove that point home. Mm. And then we are 13 and we try out for a sports team and we didn't make it. Yeah. And then it drove that point home. And then in you know high school- It's it like do, layer, layer upon layer, layer on layer. And it was a belief system built on experiences that weren't directed at us in the first place. They Yet just- we took it upon ourselves like this is about my value. And sometimes it's more completely overt, like we were abused mm-hmm. and someone said- Yeah, somebody, some some six-year-old boy will get abused and think it's his fault. Exa- and maybe the person told them, Yeah, this is, this your, is fault. your fault. Right. You wanted this. Right. You deserve this. You asked for this. Well, and the way I would explain it, and maybe this is my MKP stuff talking, but those are all wounds. Of like course. A, a boy right. or a man or a woman or a girl will get wounded. And our shadow is how we kind of cover up those wounds. Correct. And this is about peeling back the onion or removing the layers. And the wound remains, meaning it doesn't remain maybe wide open, gaping and infected, but it's still there. But when you look where it started, it wasn't true to begin with. Mm -hmm. You didn't deserve it. Yeah, because the idea is you are not enough. You are. The fact that we were all born. Enough. Remember Wayne used to say the thing like the odds of any any human being being conceived, mm-hmm. like what has to happen in the conception mm-hmm. process is crazy. And then it just so happens that sperm meets egg and this human being that shows up. That sperm meets that egg. And shows up and mm-hmm. that's who we become. Like the odds of human beings being born is crazy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that's truly a miracle and yet we're like seven years old or 17, year old, 17 years old and think that we're not good enough. My goodness, we... We are miracles, we every it. single one of us. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people or I think we're so Pollyannish, but that's the truth. It, it's the truth. And we lose, kids are born, we know it we have an when in- we come out. inherent sense of value exactly. that, that we need to retain until we die. Exactly. And we get off track. And, and that's fine. That's the other thing. We got to bless ourselves when we get off track, because it happens. But you always want to return to this place of inherent love and value. You know, whenever anyone, when Todd and I will do an interview and someone will say, what do you want people to know? You know, not necessarily about us, but just about the world, is that you are good enough and you are supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. End of story. And again, then we get too focused on, well, what do you mean? Because of my career and my job and I'm supposed to be famous? No, no. no. You're just supposed to be here. And whatever that looks like... That's up to you. Yeah. But to believe that you're not supposed to be here or that you're not worthy or that you don't belong, all that's baloney. Yeah. But everything everything that's keeping you from fully feeling those words I just said have been lies that have been told to you. Yep. And so the whole idea of growing your interior is noticing what triggers you, recognizing what brings up emotion and owning it and owning it yeah it's taking responsibility fault. Yeah. for it yeah well and let me let me fall back 
when I say it's nobody's fault, I don't mean nobody contributed to it. I'm not saying it's all you. There were adults and children that contributed to maybe the way you feel or the experience you had. But at a certain point, you've got to let them go. Mm. Because at a certain point, you have to say that's baggage and heavy weight. And instead of blaming them and saying I'd be okay if it wasn't for that, you have to say that happened and that's why I'm going to be stronger because of it. Mm-hmm. Easier said than done. I totally know because I've had my own experience as has Todd where we've had to make those big it's choices. It's called the human experience. Exactly. We all have it. We all have it. So nobody is special in that regard. Um, but you have to make a decision to do your own thing. And and that it's interesting because that's been something that's been coming up with people I work with, but also with me for many years about doing something meaningful with your life. I think that we get too wrapped up in how many people know I'm doing something meaningful with my, with my life versus feeling alignment in doing something meaningful with your life. What I mean is sometimes when we're not quite yet aligned with ourselves, we're worried more about the Facebook likes. We say, I need other people to tell me that I'm doing something worthy with my life, then I know. That's still working in the exterior. Well, and I go back to the hospice nurses. You know, hospice nurses yes. always interview the the people that are dying and, yes. you know, the top 10 regrets. I don't remember what they are, but none of them are, I wish I would have worked a little harder. It's all relationship-based. Yeah, it's all relationship-based. And this is a parenting podcast. What are the, some of the most important relationships that we have? The relationships with our children. Exactly. And sometimes we quote unquote, discipline our children because we think that we're doing them a favor when in fact you are distancing yourself from one of the most important people of your life. So that's something that I believe very strongly in and people sometimes categorize that um, characterization as permissive and you let your kids walk all over you and that's not even close to the way that Kathy and I parent. But we're always gonna err on the side of connecting as opposed to disconnecting well, with our kids. Let's talk about in a partnership. If you if your partner's frustrated with you and you're able to be tolerant of that and able and when I say tolerant, I don't mean allow them to abuse you. What I mean is if they're upset and you understand and you help them calm down and you listen and you hold that space for them, is that being a permissive partner? Mm-hmm. So we gotta look at that with parenting. Yeah. You know, if our child is upset and angry, is us holding that space and helping them calm down permissive? Mm-hmm. Or is that being in a relationship? Right. And Knowing that there are sometimes when we step over the line, or maybe it's not a line for us where we do get angry and frustrated, but then we go back and say, I'm going to do that differently. That's great, too. I think that's the whole practice is understanding that there is a continuum in there of, you know, sometimes we don't say the right thing and we have to kind of pull back and go back. It's it's a practice, not a I'm going to do it right every time, but just knowing that there is another way. Yeah. Knowing that when you walk away from an interaction with your partner or your child and you don't feel good, you know you didn't make a good choice, the words you chose were not good, that you can say to yourself, I don't feel good right now and in this moment I can't say much, but I'm going back to this. I'm not leaving this alone. I'm not going to allow that to sit out there and rot away my relationship. It's like a rust. Didn't we just have a conversation like in the last few hours about, you know, like if something happens between you and your kid or you and your partner and then you like distance yourself and then you come back as if it never happened? We just said at the beginning of the show. Oh, is that what? Yeah, like uh, 15 minutes ago. It's been a long weekend. It's been a long 
long weekend. Yes, we've yes. been gone. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah, so that's exactly it. Is and then I the imagery that I just got when you said that, and I was saying that it's like putting rust on something where it starts to eat it away slowly, yes. or like a mold yep. where it didn't kill it and it's still there and and there's always opportunity to clean it and to renew it but it does start to eat it away Mm -hmm. and so it's you know again going back to what todd said about the hospice nurse what is the most important thing relationships how you felt with other people how you made other people feel how other people made you feel and you let them know that and then going back to alignment and your interiors, I'm kind of bringing all this together, is even though we are, again, all of us have an ego. So that external piece is sometimes important. Like you post, you know, like if I write a blog and people email me and say, wow, that really helped me, of course that feels good. I'm not like, no, 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 that yeah. doesn't mean anything to me. Because that is a step in the ego itself. To acknowledge that it felt good. Well, if you say no, if you are like, no, I'm not going to going to acknowledge it even that is egoic right you know what i mean it is well and it's also like i'm above this of of receiving accolades for something i wrote that was meaningful to somebody else correct but they'll be like oh i'm too good for that or something right like that. and i'm never too good for that yeah. i you I, love accolades i well i love it's not accolades as far as like how many people like something it is when someone e- emails me and said i didn't have words for this now i know what i'm going to say to this person thank you that's meaningful or to anytime me. we get an itunes review right we right get, we didn't get any itunes reviews this time oh well then my, my ego's shot <laughs> i don't know if i can go on yeah let's just close the show um forget it but even though we love those things because we're human and we like to celebrate and high five over good things that happen with Zen parenting or with work, this is not the intention of Todd and I sitting here because I kind of think if no one was listening, we might sit here and do this. No, we'd be upstairs in the kitchen doing this. Right. We'd we we this. wouldn't be in the basement. No, you're right. But we would still be having this conversation. Because it's so humid and mildewy down here. No, what no, is no. the problem? It's better. I did the dehumidifier. We're fine it's now. It's not on. I turned it off for the show. Oh, okay. So yeah, when Kathy and I have been having these discussions for the last, how long have we been married for? 14 years this year. 14. Um, so about four years in, no, about eight years into the marriage, we're like, we should put some mics in front of our mouths when we have these <laughs> conversations. And that's what we've been doing. In front of our mouths. Yeah. And then we put on earphones. That too. Well, that was step two. And then I put a box of Kleenex in front of me. Yeah. Because I cry sometimes. It's okay to cry. I know it. It is okay to cry. I have no problem with it. So. Are you crying? Yes. There's no crying? Yes. There's no crying in baseball? Yes. Cody Webster. You. I was just going to say, what a great segue to our next topic. I just, uh, I'm kind of tired I, it was Labor Day weekend, and we we're doing crazy things with the kids, and it was fun. We went to camp. We went to camp. family camp at yeah. Camp Edwards. We'll give it a plug. Yes, up in East Troy, Wisconsin. And I was watching a thirty for thirty this afternoon because I was so tired. And it was about the nineteen eighty two um, Kirkland. I don't know what their name is, but there was a little league team from the West Coast in Kirkland, Washington, and they ended up beating the mighty Taiwan 
kids for the Little League World Series. And at that time, it was very special because Taiwan always used to kill the Americans. They dominated. They dominated. And the team won, and Cody Webster was the star. And he was a really shy, introverted kid. And he was by far the best player on the team. And he was the one who received most of the attention. And it really threw him for many curveballs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't really know how we want to tie this together. Well, but. I think that the re- we were watching it. I kind of came in for the tail end, so I didn't see the beginning. But the whole, I don't know if you guys watch 30 for 30s, but it's just a wonderful storytelling um, with... A About sp- sports. It's great for you and I. For Yeah. So it's like a sporting event that happened, and they tell the story like a journey. Yeah. So you see it from how these... It's not always about kids. Obviously, it's about adults, too. But, you know, how they started, and then... And the next step and the next step and the next step. And it's just this beautiful progression. And the reasons why they progress are always interesting to me. Like the team had really gelled. Like Mm. the kids loved each other. They were friends. Two men who were their coaches said, we are going to dedicate this time to them. The, The coach, one of the coaches, he was a former wrestler. And his teaching to them was mental toughness. And he would point at Ed to his temples. Which in this day and age, in the 80s, mental toughness, but right now we'd call it mindfulness, which means when you are out there, you be in the game and you don't let things mess with your brain. Don't be at breakfast. Don't be at dinner. Be in the present moment of this baseball opportunity and do your best in this opportunity. So he was a good... He was really good teacher for them in that way. And they all of the kids, because what they do on 30 for 30 is they show you all the clips from them as children, but then they show it's the adults talking about their story. Right. So, you know, whatever, 30 years later, they are interviewing uh, this Cody Webster kid and he talked about how awful... Because he was really good as a 12-year-old and because his body grew faster than most other 12-year-olds. So he was bigger and stronger and faster. And over time, um, the kids ended up catching up to him. You know, in high school, he just became – he went from an amazing player to a really good player. But because he was catapulted onto the national stage because he won the Little League World Series, he was on Good Morning America with Joe in London and 85 other things. And it started taking a toll on him because the – some of the uh, parents of the opponents would end up um, cursing this kid out and calling him fat and doing all these awful things to this 13-year-old boy. So he ended up quitting baseball, and then he came back. Shocking. Right. He quit because it was no longer... Fun. It wasn't fun anymore. He said, he's like, you know, and again, I just highly recommend looking for this. It's on ESPN 30 for 30, Little League World Series, Kirkland. Um, He loved baseball. You know why? Because he got to play with his friends and he got to be with his friends. And he just happened to be a great pitcher. And and as Todd said, he was bigger. Mm -hmm. So he had a little bit of that, that strength over the other kids, which was just kind of a fluke. And so he played well. And so it helped his team. And, but the rest of his team was great too. And he said a million times, he liked being part of a team. Right. He never wanted to be the guy. But when it came to interviews, he would be the one that's the only one being interviewed. And it was crazy making to Didn't him. Didn't feel good to him. And so, of course, you guys, what do we do in our society? Someone gets to be at the pinnacle of fame where everybody knows who they are and we got to rip them down. Mm-hmm. We got to say, you are the best. And then when someone actually, when we were thinking to ourselves, wait, do they really think they're the best? Mm-hmm. We rip them down. And then they would demonize them. And one thing that Cody said as a 40-year-old man or however old he is right now, he said, I could handle the kids mm-hmm. who were calling him fat because he was a husky kid. Mm-hmm. He's like, I just didn't understand the adults because mm-hmm. I think he thought that the adults were supposed to be more mature. You think? And well, that's what's 
crazy about this world of ours is we just came from family camp and one of the head guys said, I said to him, it must be really easy because it's family camp. So the, the parents are there with the kids at summer camp. And he's like, surprisingly, sometimes the parents are the harder to deal with mm-hmm. than when it's just the kids. Because the kids, there is kind of an acceptance and there is a sense of what we have here is pretty cool. But a lot of times adults, if it be in a camp situation or anywhere else, they're, there's, they're looking for things to criticize. Yeah. They're looking for reasons to be disappointed. If your viewpoint, if you're not aware of your interiors <laughs> and you think that everything should be different or better or you believe that really the deep belief system below that is I'm not good enough. Enough, people don't care enough about me. No one's doing enough for me. If that's your goggles that you wear, your glasses, those are the le- that's the lens of the world that you're looking. Then through. you're going to see bad things everywhere. You're going to say this isn't good enough. You're this isn't this isn't you know it should be better. And it doesn't mean again I have to backtrack because then people say, well, are you saying we shouldn't speak up? There are things that are worthy to be spoken up about. Yeah, don't call kid fat though. <laughs> right. Well, and not only that, but we. This is, you know, I may, I kept making Todd stop the 30 for 30. I kept making him pause it. Did that annoy you? Uh, it depends on which one and for how long. But yeah, we'll be watching a 30 for 30 and then you'll be like, pause it for a second. And then you'll talk for like 12 minutes. And then like, okay, play. <laughs> well, this one, especially because this I didn't is... get annoyed this time. Okay, around, good. Because they weren't very long. Yeah, it wasn't very long. I just had a few things to say. Like, for example, so this kid, Cody, he he's saying exactly what Todd said. You know, I can handle the kids, but what are the adults doing? And what happened is the adults and even our whole country just rallied around this team and they were so impressed and they're like, this kid is a whiz kid and he strikes everybody out and he's perfect and he's awesome and he doesn't make mistakes and he's the best. And then when he actually would sometimes maybe throw a ball, mm-hmm. all these adults would be so let down. Mm-hmm. Like, how could this kid throw a ball? He needs to be perfect. And you want to know why? Because these adults feel empty. empty, And they want... Cody made them feel good. And... Cody was the personification of what they think they're supposed to be, like the perfection that's yeah. out there and attainable. And he's not because and no human is. So when he shows that he's not perfect, whether it's by throwing a ball or becoming an average baseball player, it makes the grown-ups feel less than. They feel their humanity. Yeah. Like they're like the things that they're, the yuckiness they're throwing at him and the judgment is the judgment they have against themselves. It's like a... The, the anger that they have at his imperfection is the anger they have at their own imperfection. So can you say that in terms of grow with the familiarity of our own interiors? If you are less judgmental of yourself and you practice self-compassion and you understand that there is not, you're not supposed to be perfect and that you're supposed to make mistakes and that that's all a part of being human, then when you see other human beings make mistakes, you have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you may not always enjoy their mistakes or appreciate them and you're not always like, yay, but you get it. You're like, you know what? Been there. Maybe not exactly in their situation, but you're empathetic to the experience that they're having. But when you think that you can't even look at yourself and you're unwilling to look at your imperfections, then you project onto the world. It's the people in any situation, if it be in a political race, if it be, you know, our boss, where we say they should be doing it right 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'll look at them and say, are you doing it right 100% of the time? No, I don't, but I don't have to. These other people do. 
Do they? Mm-hmm. Because they're never going to. Yeah, forget it. And you're never going to either. What you're going to do is do do your best. Do the best you can in any given day. I am someone who, who I oh Sorry. hello, I morals, values, principles are very important to me. I'm I'm a rule follower. I really do like to. Um, I I am I don't like to say I'm a recovering people pleaser. That that's not right. I like when people feel good about things. Yeah. Um, it's not. I'm not always doing things for other people, but I enjoy that when people you know feel good about things. But I forgot what I was going to say. Can I um, interrupt you with a quick plug from one of our partners? No, I want to point out that I just made a big error. And that Yes. Hiss. 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 I had a big point and I can't remember it. You stink. You stink. You're no longer valuable. I thought you were smart because I wanted you to be smart so I could feel smart. But now that I know that you made a mistake, you're bad. You're bad. Go home from where you... Yes. That's uh, everybody laughing at you, I sweetie. I know. I hear that. And you're also cuckoo. And you're also a... St- a snooze. Snore. And you're also a little... Yeah. A little out there. That's all. Okay. Thanks for that. <laughs> did, that did that help you get back on did. track? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good now. Um, can we close these yes, yes, ends? Yes. Um, just because I want to do the questions. So the ends to close are a lot of lessons that we learned from our friend John O'Sullivan, um, who was a speaker at our, conve- our uh, conference yeah. last year, who talks a lot about kids' sports and basically telling parents to look at their interiors and quit pushing our children. Um, I want you to understand that in the Little League World Series, not only did Cody get completely ridiculed and and basically eventually dropped out of sports because it was no longer fun, but that was a team that was the best in the world. And I don't mean the best in their town or their community or their district or their state, but best in the world. And you want to know how many kids went on to play Major League Baseball? Zero. Zero. And I'm saying that to you because baseball is a game, and those kids played the game and loved it. And they... Luckily, except for the sounds like with Cody's story, most of them were able to play for a while and enjoy it. And now some of them are coaching their kids and doing, and they're still in the game. Well, you will never find less um, mindful, conscious parenting than you will on the sidelines of a soccer game or a baseball game Mm -hmm. or any game. That doesn't mean they all are. Most of the parents there are really respectful and understand that this is a game to be enjoyed. But I focus on these crazy parents when most of most of the parents are great. Why don't we, instead of calling them crazy parents, because I think we lose people when we sure. do that, let's call them parents who are completely unconscious. Conscious. Yes. For, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that clarification. Yes. <laughs> Way to make everybody feel okay. Because they're not crazy people. What they're doing is they're unconscious. They're, yeah. They have forgotten they're why at, they're there. They're asleep at the wheel. They are snoozing Yeah, they're not the crazy. You're just asleep at the wheel. Wake up. Ding dong. Ding. What's ding dong? That was my alarm clock. <laughs> Our second partner is John J. Kelly Dentistry. Um, he does what's called non-retractable orthodontics. And he's worked on two of our kids, and he's about to start with our third kid. And he has a focus on breathing and airway and facial development. And he's a sought-after uh, orthodontist. Not orthodontist. And teacher, too. Teacher in the Chicagoland area. So check him out at chicagodentistonline.com. Now, for oh, one quick plug. On Friday, we're doing a show. Kathy and I are interviewing two uh, friends of mine. You might want to call them mentors. 
um, Eric and Brian, who belong to Mankind Project, which is a men's organization that I'm affiliated with. And we're just going to talk about men's work and how it's different from women's work mm. and what you can get out of um, certain things that NWTA has to offer. So, Well, you just said an acronym. No one knows what NWTA is. Uh, NWTA is New Warrior Training Adventure. And it's a weekend where you get to dump out your bags of emotions, sift through it, see what works, and discard what doesn't. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun little interview. And then um, my quick uh, plug on my own coaching for med, Todd Adams Coaching for Guys. Check my website out at toddadamscoaching.com. I help guys with relationship with themselves, their spouse, their children, their money, their career, you name it. So toddadamscoaching.com. You ready for the listener questions? Yes, and I want to do a question, but then I have something else I want to say after the question. Why don't you do your thing first? Okay, it's very quick. Okay. Okay, so whenever we go away for a long weekend, um, I read a fiction book. And, oh, yeah. and that may not sound like a big deal to you guys because for those of you who read a ton of fiction, but 98% of my life I'm reading nonfiction. And while a lot of people think that's boring, it's like my dream. I love the nonfiction books I read because it's all about the stuff we talk about on the show, right? Yeah. But every once in a while I want to really pick up like just a quick read not, uh, fiction book. Here's the problem with fiction books, my friends. So I read Girl on the Train this weekend. Okay, got through it really quickly. These people are awful. They're horrible. <laughs> They're horrible people. And I read these fiction books and I'm so depressed, not because of just what happens in the story, but who these people are. Who are these people? And I don't want to meet them. I don't want to run into them. I don't want to know they exist. So this is what I'm asking you people. What fiction books have you read that you walked away feeling great? Because the last couple books I've read, fiction-wise, I read Gone Girl, awful people, just the worst people. Um, what did I read before that that I was moaning about? I moan about these books. I read one about three months ago. It doesn't matter. So, no. Oh, no. Yikes. I can't remember. I know a good fiction book. Let's hear it. The Alchemist. That's fiction, right? It is, but that it falls into my nonfiction category because that's really more about like, okay, yes, good fiction. Thank you. Okay. I'll leave that alone. But I read that 10 years ago. What I know. I'm just giving you new. an example. So you want other good, awesome books that are, that, that fill your soul as opposed to t deplete from it. That are not these people who just do such bad things to each other because it's like watching the nightly news. Yes, I can get through it fast and it's suspenseful and, you know, all that kind of thing that, that we're looking for, but it's like watching Law & Order. Everybody's hurting each other and being deceptive and manipulative, and these are like the number one books. And so my question for you, my friends, please email or write on Facebook for us, uh, either comments at zenparentingradio.com or go to Facebook or somewhere and tell me a fiction book, a recent one that's really good that will not make me feel exhausted and depressed. With that said, on our website, Todd and I have a website, zenparentingradio.com, and if you click on, does it say books we recommend? What books, does it say? books we love. Books we love. You can see all these books that we recommend, and I, they're all nonfiction, right? And you have them broken up into categories. I do, yes. Parenting, mindfulness, empathy and compassion, enjoyment, brain-body connection, new perspective, creativity and self-expression, women and girls, men and boys, sex education, work-slash-business, Marriage, education for kids, 18 categories. Yes. Yeah, so you did a lot of work on that. Too, I did. You? So for the for kids books, those are obviously fictional stories. Mm -hmm. But I think the rest of those books, except maybe The Alchemist, yeah. um, are all nonfiction books. Yeah. So 
give me some fiction. Yeah, dish, dish. We need it. Like even the books you read. No, those are real stories, like the Into the Thin Air into and thin Into air, the Wild. Into the Wild. Like those are um, I, nonfiction. I, I, I have a, I've read one fictional book in the last decade, and that was Charlie's book. Well, and Charlie's book was excellent. We had Charlie Donnelly on here who wrote Summit Lake, and he has a new book coming out too. He does. Maybe we'll have him on. Who knows? It's another girl, the girl something. Uh, the girl who was taken, I who think is taken. the name of it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that though, so forget I said it. Forget. Sh- but here's the thing. Even Charlie's book, it was so good, but it wasn't like these people were great people. No. I mean, I felt worse after it. Go ahead and read it. <laughs> no. Just kidding. It's a really it, good book. It's, a, it's easy to read. But it's one of those, you know, fiction books where- People hurt each other. People die. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we go for in this society. That's the movies that we watch. And, and I get it. Like some, I have that piece of me too, but I try not to, it's a two wolves situation. I try not to feed it. You know, I know that. What do you mean, two wolves? What are you talking about? The two wolves. What two wolves? Do you really want me to explain, or you being funny? Yes, because there's a lot of people who have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, so two wolves that live inside of us. The grandfather's talking to his grandson. Uh, The grandson is talking. I don't remember why the grandson brings it up, but here's what the grandfather says. He says that there are two wolves who live inside of us. One is very focused on ego, or ego and anger, and um, getting his way, and sex and violence and things that may not always be helpful to us. Sex can be good, but you know what I mean, mm-hmm. the, when you take it too far. Um, and then there is a wolf that focuses on love and compassion and kindness, and they are inside of us. And the grandfather actually said they're battling each other. I don't know if they're battling each other. Does that does that work for you? Absolutely. You think they're battling? Yeah. I envision them- Every day, man. Yeah. I guess it's just the word, but you're right. They are because which one's going to succeed, right? Which one is going to succeed, sweetie? Right. And so this this, uh, grandson says, okay, they're battling each other. Who's going to win? And the grandfather said, the one that you feed. So if I'm going to feed my wolf that loves the violence and the negativity and the hurting each other, then that grows stronger. So I try really hard to read the nonfiction books that feed the other wolf. Uh, perfect transition. We got a an email from a listener. Her name is Rebecca. And in uh, regards to Native American, she wrote, she had some nice things to say about our podcast. She says, on a random note, being Native American and when you speak of minority groups, racism, etc., I have yet to ever hear you speak of us as a group. Oh, We are a very, min- very small minority group. However, we are always marginalized and forgotten. I just wanted to shoot that into your universe that we do exist here in the U.S. We have a lot of historical trauma and still have great, even if small, presence in most areas. Well, I am so sorry that we have never done that because I wish... What is her name? Rebecca. Rebecca, I want you to know that I, well, I apologize just period. Cause I apologize. We haven't mentioned uh, native American population as a minority, but I want you to know how much respect Todd and I have for native American tradition and customs that we obviously didn't grow up with that we learned yeah. over time. And we do so many of them in our home. And the first, um, right when you walk in our door, there was something I got in Santa Fe, um, that is basically like a prayer, native American prayer that is means everything to me it's just such a part of our life and we don't even share that on the show right so i'm sorry so am i and i have such a high regard for the teachings of native americans and uh talk about a a collective pain body yeah 
Um, yeah. For those of you who understand that term, it's just a just the the collective wounds that have been, been imposed imposed on that group of people. So she's right. Mm-hmm. We are going to own it that we've never brought them up as a minority, and here we are. So, yes. So thank you for the reminder. Um, quick question, just because we are 55 minutes in. Um, hi, Todd. Hi, Kathy. I really love your podcast. I'm really, and I'm really trying to embrace the idea that good parents are self-aware parents. The oldest of my three kids is my five-year-old daughter. And while she is smart and has a great sense of humor, does not apparently have a lot of empathy or compassion for others. Hmm. Without going into what strategies I've tried already to produce more empathy in her, thereby predefining myself as a parent, what is your advice on how to raise more compassionate, other-centric children? Thanks so much for your amazing service, and thanks in advance if you're able to reply. And that's from Jack. Um, I would say, as I usually say about this, is empathy is not about teaching through lecture or showing them how to do it. It is you doing it. So empathy, um, first of all, we're born with it. It's innate. It's a, In my uh, college class this semester, this is what I'm teaching to my students is I'm teaching them all about the brain science and about all the research that's been done about how we are hardwired for empathy. So it's something that we have naturally. Um, with that said, children, especially around her age, are going to test those limits of getting things quicker or um, getting their needs met because, again, two wolves, right? They've got the empathy, but they have also want their needs met. And so there may be some things that it's his daughter, right? I uh, want to say she. Five-year-old daughter. Yeah, there may be some things that you're seeing that are very developmentally appropriate. You didn't say what they were, but it's okay if occasionally she's trying to get her needs met quickly. That's called learning. Like mm. she's testing limits, finding boundaries. But the way that children get empathy mirrored or the way that uh, integrated integrated and and where they understand that it is the correct choice is to see it in their home and to have it role modeled for them, not in an inauthentic way, but in an authentic way. So, well, and I'll push Jack a little bit and he probably does this anyways, but he could probably do it better because we can always do it a little bit better. But Jack, can you be empathic when your five-year-old daughter is not being empathic? You know? Like that's a really good test. Like mm-hmm. if you see her being unkind towards somebody, can you empathize with her or are you getting into teaching mode? Well, and remember what empathy means is empathize with her doesn't mean you say, oh, I feel bad for her. I'm not going to say anything. It means if she is not being empathic towards someone, if she is being harmful, there's something else going on. And can you be in an empathic state where you can be willing to find out or to question or to dig a little deeper into what were you feeling before you hit this kid or what happened that that made you feel this was a good choice and she isn't too young to have these conversations a lot of parents say oh she's too young five years old they they can talk to you when you have to modify your discussion based upon how old they are you'd have a different uh, conversation with a three-year-old and a different conversation with a seven-year-old but jack being her dad he knows how to talk to her And then on the note of what are some things that I can do maybe out of the box, I think when we're talking about empathy, it's not just about directing it toward other kids or adults. It's how do we be empathetic in the whole? Like if you see a spider crawling in the house, can you get down with her and maybe put the spider in a cup and take the spider outside? Can you show empathy toward things that are smaller than us and that are weaker? Can you, when you, and I don't know where you live, but where Todd and I live, um, we live in Chicago and we see homeless people all the time. And we 
um, Todd put together all these like little kits of um, it's got mo- a little bit of money and a water bottle and a razor and some things that a homeless person can use. And so when we pull to the corner, all we have to do is just take that bag and hand it to the person and say, God bless you. And it's, it's we've been doing it for years. So the girls have seen this their whole lives. We don't say, and that's how you do blah, blah, blah. It's just done. Yeah. Don't even say anything. Don't even say anything. This is just what we do. When there's a kid selling candy um, outside of the grocery store, you buy a piece. Yeah. When there is, you know, these are... When there's someone walking down the street getting money for leukemia, you give some change or a dollar or ten dollars. You you practice compassion and love and giving and empathy, and they see it and they learn that that's the way of things. Well, and you talked about this in the beginning, but she's five. Yes, she's five. <laughs> yes, don't worry about it. Right. Well, don't worry. Absolutely. Your quote is don't worry about do not worry about it. But if you want to work on empathy for like, you know, you're like, okay, I know I feel empathetic, but am I practicing it on a daily basis? Am I demonstrating it there? You can do little things yeah. because really you're not doing it for her. You're doing it for you and the world and she gets to see it. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. So um, we had another question, but um, a quick FAMZU tip, because my buddy Bill at FAMZU, they're um, somebody we have an affiliate partnership with, but I just believe in what Bill believes in, which is teaching a responsible financial management to our youth. Um, but he just wrote us an email that talked about the abandoned cart rule. Do you have any idea what the abandoned cart rule is, sweetie? No. Coach your teen to pause before completing a checkout for a sizable purchase. Abandon the loaded the loaded cart and step away from the site and come back a day later. What? You're on Amazon. You have a cart full of stuff. Oh, I was picturing being in a grocery store and leaving. Right. Well, you can do that too. No but way. But this is more about um, purchasing something spontaneous online. I do leave things in the cart. Come back a day later. If you still want it, go get it. You've left things in the cart where I have purchased them by accident when I was purchasing uh, purchasing it's other because things. Because I'm practicing Bill's abandoned loaded cart rules. But sweetheart. then I end up buying it. Well, and that means to... you got to look at your cart before you click let's okay. buy it. Well, I don't know about it that. All comes back to you doing something wrong and I never do anything boo. wrong. No, there's no boo sound effect for that one, oh. sweetie. So what you're doing is you're teaching your kids a little self-reflection and things like that. So um, did we get to everything we wanted to get to? Sure. Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty. He's been our partner since day one. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, and you can check him out at avidco.net. That's it. All right. There's our tune. Anything else? Get your tickets for Screenagers. Get your tickets for uh, our conference. And just, you know, this week, think about growing in the familiarity of your interiors. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And keep trucking, for goodness sakes. See you guys on Friday. Big interview with Brian and Eric. Have a good week. Bye. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Weston in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. 
I coach guys. It's called coaching for guys. <laughs> On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. If you want an amazing vehicle to teach your kids about money management, go to the lower right-hand side of our homepage and click on the FAMZOO logo and enter Zen Finance as a promo code. I want to give a special thanks to our three partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, John J. Kelly Dentistry, and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support. Keep on trucking.